to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. All right, you got a Bible this morning? Good. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15. Been talking about the kingdom of God on Wednesday nights. Basically, we've talked about God's big picture. If you don't know what God's purpose is, it's going to be hard to flow with God in his purpose if you don't know what his purpose is. And according to Genesis chapter 1, his purpose is to extend his kingdom from heaven back into the earth realm. God is in the process of bringing back the kingdom or the government of God to the earth realm. And basically, he does that not by himself, but through human beings who have the Holy Spirit on the inside of them. Say, that's me. That's me. Glory to God. We talked about kingdom importance last Wednesday. This morning, we're going to continue talking about authority. But basically, I want to talk a little bit about changing your identity for yourself. One of the most powerful things you can do once you get born again is find out who you are and not who you thought you were or who you used to be. There's a change. It's called a miracle. People say, I never had a miracle. If you're born again, trust me, you've had a miracle. Praise God. There's been a change in your life that totally changed you. If you're not aware of it, you'll not take advantage of it because you can't take advantage of anything that you don't understand. So as you start to understand what happened to you the day you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can then grow into that, and we all want to grow up in the things of God. Here's 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Let's start in verse 45. It says, and so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul, and the last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Howbeit that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthy. Now, how many of you know it's talking about Adam there? The second man is of the Lord from heaven. Now, who's that? That's Jesus. As is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy, and as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of who? The heavenly. Now notice what Jesus is talking about here. The Word of God is talking about our identity and who we identify with. If, if you look at the world right now, the whole attack, if you look at the spiritual part of it, is an attack on the identity of human beings trying to tell them who they are, trying to tell them who they are, labeling them, you're black, you're white, you're Asian, you're this, trying to get them into political parties, you're Republican, you're independent, you're this, you're that. Everybody's trying to get a label and then live in that label and not understanding what the real label is. Even in churches, how many you know we have a lot of different denominations, we have a lot of different churches, we have full gospel, part gospel, all these things all over the place. But notice Jesus never talks about any of those things. He talks about just two identities, an earthy man or a heavenly man. Now, you have to decide in your own life which one you're going to be. Amen. You're not an earthy man anymore if you've been born again. You are now a heavenly man. Here it says if you're an earthy man, you will bear the image of an earthy man. But if you're a heavenly man, you will bear the image of a heavenly man. So notice, it's up to you what you believe you will bear the image of. It goes along with Proverbs, as a man thinks in his heart, so is so is he. So when I started to make the adjustment in my life and started reading about this stuff in the Bible and started changing the way I was thinking, I found out it was a lot more than just confessing my sin and moving on. It was also confessing my sin and my new nature of who I was so that I would believe I was that, stop sinning, and be that. 
The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new. Old things have. And all things have become. Now, we know that scripture, but are we living that scripture? So many people are still stuck in the past. What happened in their childhood? What happened 10 years ago? What happened five years ago? What happened when I was a little boy and a little girl? All that stuff has passed away. And when you got born again, you're a brand new species of being that never existed before that day that you got born again. Now, when I got born again, I knew something happened, but I sure as a heck didn't know what it was. So as I went through the Bible and it showed me that I was a new creature, it showed me that I was spiritually born again. It showed me that I, would, I could bear the image of who I really was. And I started studying that I was a heavenly man. Say a heavenly man. How many know Jesus is a heavenly man? How many know you can also live like a heavenly man? Hallelujah. All right, go to Philippians chapter 2. funny because when I first uh, started a church and got things going, I went to some other leaders who had been in the church for a long time, and I'd ask them questions because I was getting stuff from the Word that didn't necessarily I've never heard before. I mean, you get stuff you don't ever hear before. Even though you got it backed up in Scripture, you feel like you need to validate it by someone who's been in the ministry longer than you. And I'd go to them all the time, and I'd say, I see this in the Scripture, that in the Scripture, this in the Scripture, and I'd say, it, it looks like that's the truth. And they'd say, oh, that's the truth, definitely. They said, but uh, certainly don't preach that. And I said, why not? He said, because if you want trouble, you just go ahead and preach that. Because nobody else is preaching that. Nobody else believes that. And I said, but I got three or four scriptures to back up what I'm teaching. Shouldn't I do that? He said, go ahead if you want to. But I wouldn't do that because it's something you probably shouldn't teach. So I thought, gee whiz, is this the way we do? We're going to get revelation and never go any further simply because we don't want somebody mad at us or writing a letter about us or, or running out of the church on us or anything else. So I just decided at that time, whatever I saw in the word, I was going to go ahead and preach. And, of course, I got in trouble for it, but that's all right. Philippians chapter 2, look at verse 5. Notice what it says here. Let allow this mind to be in you, which was also in who? Right. Who being in the form of God, thought it robbery not to be equal with God, but Jesus made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of a cross. Now notice this talks about Jesus. What did he do? We found out that the word became flesh. That was Jesus Christ. Here it says he laid aside his godly attributes. He became of no reputation. He took the form of a servant. He was in the likeness of men and fashioned as a man. Now as long as the church and as long as you see Jesus as only God in the flesh, you will never expect to do what he did on the earth. One of the most things I ever heard, well, that was Jesus. Well, that was Jesus. Well, that was Jesus. But the Bible tells us that we are heavenly people, and even though Jesus did it, we can also do it, because when we were born again, we were born back into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. So basically here, if you see Jesus only as God, and everything he did as God, then you're never going to expect to do what he did, because you're certainly not God, and you're certainly going to do it. But here it tells you he was, not, he was God, but he was also a man. And he operated as a man anointed by the Holy Ghost. How many of you are people in here? And Praise God. Hallelujah. So they say, yes, that is Jesus. So when I was growing up, I was taught, basically, I wanted in my heart to do what Jesus did. How many of you want to do signs, wonders, and miracles? How many of you want to heal the sick? How many of you want to cast out devils? How many of you want to do this? But then I was also taught to deny the very nature that God gave me, which gave me the power to do the works that I was desiring to do. 
So since I didn't associate with his nature and associated with, I'm just a little man, he's a God, I'm just a little guy, he can do everything, I can do nothing, he can do everything. We say, saved a wretch like me, I once was lost. Well, you're not a wretch anymore, praise God. That's over with at this point. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So those songs and stuff that we build in always put God and Jesus here, especially Jesus, and put us down here, even though we were both made spiritual people anointed by the Holy Ghost. I mean, Jesus himself said, the works that I do, you will also do. And greater works than these shall you do. Amen. And I go through the Bible and I find out every time somebody didn't do the works that Jesus did, Jesus didn't say, thank God. Thank God you didn't try to do them because you certainly ain't nothing like I am. No, when they were in the boat and the storm came up and he was sleeping and they woke him up, and they, he didn't say, thank God you woke me up. He said, why didn't you do it? Where's your faith? Why didn't you do it so I could keep sleeping? You woke me up. You shouldn't have did that. Remember when they couldn't cast the devil out? He didn't say, thank God, the devil is just about to kill you. Good thing you got a hold of me. No, he said, you are a wicked and perverse generation. Why? Because they could not do the works that he was doing because they did not have the nature and did not understand who they were because he wanted them to do the same thing. If God wants to extend the kingdom into this earth realm, he's going to do it with people of power. Everybody's looking for power in this earth right now. Whether you like it or not, that's what you're looking for. You want, you want power over your circumstances. You want power over your situations. You want power. So what do we go after to get it? Money. Because we think money's the answer. The more money I get, the more power I get. And to a certain extent, that's true. But to another certain extent, money doesn't take care of everything. When sickness hits your body, money's not going to do it. When depression hits you, money's not going to do it. So we need something other than the natural things, basically. We need spiritual things, and that's the identity that we've got. The Bible says, when the Holy Ghost comes upon you, you shall receive power. So the power is in the spirit that we have and are identifying with that nature that we've got, which is a heavenly man and which is a spiritual man. If you cannot see yourself as a heavenly man, but see yourself as an earthy man, you're going to walk beneath your privileges your entire Christian life. Your entire kingdom life, you're not going to be able to live up to that level that God wants you to live up. God wants you to succeed. Some people got trouble even believing that. He wants you to succeed in every single area of your life. Every time you lay hands on somebody, he wants the healing done. Every time you speak to a devil, he wants it to leave. He wants you to be healthy. He wants you to be wealthy. He wants you to be happy. He wants you to be joyful. He wants all these things because he's a loving father. But we keep separating ourselves from him. Jesus, me. He's so wonderful, I'm so terrible. He's so powerful, I can't do nothing. He did, 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 did. The Bible says basically what he prayed in John 17, he prayed that we'd be one. Come on, one with him. Well, what is one with him? Just like him. In other words, the same in, in, in image and likeness and everything. So Jesus basically was trying to raise the disciples level up, and now hopefully the church wakes up and starts raising disciples level up to a place where you understand that you are a heavenly, say a heavenly, and this, this will make religious people mad. I'll tell you right now. You go tell your relation about this sermon this morning and give them a copy, and you'll probably never talk to them again, but that's okay. Because people don't want to hear this. People do not want responsibility. They want to be saved, go to heaven, and God take care of everything else. If things go good, it's God. If things go bad, it's God. A storm hits, it's God. A storm goes by us, it's God. God, 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 God. We don't understand who we are. We've been put here. We're the ones with dominion. We're the ones with authority. We can control our circumstances and our situations because we have the authority and we have the power of the Holy Spirit to overrule natural things. I mean, Jesus walked on the water. How many know that's a little different? Well, I'm going to go out and walk in my swimming pool today. Well, don't bother. But even Peter, the one time when he did walk on the water, and then the Bible said, beginning to sink. How many know nobody begins to sink? You sink. 
So apparently he stepped into that realm for a little bit because he walked a little bit, then started. But when we do that, we go right down. But what's going on here is we're going to change our identity to a place. And in order to do that, we have to understand that Jesus was simply a man born into this world without sin, a spiritually alive man, and he was anointed with the power of the Holy Ghost. And we can do the same thing because when we got born again, we became alive, and now we also have authority in the power of the Holy Ghost. All right, go to Acts chapter 2. You can see yourself under circumstances or over circumstances. You can see yourself victorious in situations or a loser in situations. You can see and be whatever you want to be. All right, Acts chapter 2, look at verse 22. It says, You men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a what? A what? A what? A man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you all as you yourselves also know. Here it explains Jesus as a man. Say a man. So even though he was God, he was not using his powers to do that. Everything that he did was by God through the Holy Spirit who was on the inside of him who was going ahead and doing the will of the Father to bringing heaven back into the earth realm and the will of God to come in there. So basically here it says a man. God did what? Signs, wonders, and miracles. How did he do them? Through a man. We keep praying for miracles, signs, and wonders. He's going to do them through a man. He's going to do them through a spiritual life, people anointed by the Holy Ghost. And how many know that's you? So you don't have to look to your left or look to your right. Who is that? That's for them, not for me. No, it's for you, praise God, as long as you're born again. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 2. All right, 1 Timothy chapter 2, look at verse 5. For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, and that mediator is who? The man Christ Jesus. Say the man. man. Say the man. man. Notice, the man Christ Jesus. Not the God Christ Jesus, but the man is the mediator. He was the connection between the Father and also between the people down here. So notice, once again, it calls Jesus here a man. Say a man. What was he? A spiritually alive man, anointed by the Spirit of God with the authority of God that was given to him. All right, go to Acts chapter 10. All right, familiar scripture, Acts chapter 10, look at verse 38. It says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was what? With him. So here it says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power. Now, if Jesus of Nazareth was operating as God here on the earth and was God here on the earth, why would he have to be anointed? How much more anointed can God get than be anointed? So he needed an anointing, didn't he? He needed the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because he was a man. So here it says, 
he wouldn't need the anointing, but he needed the anointing. He was a man who needed the anointing and the power of the Holy Ghost in order to do. If he was God the whole time, why did he wait till he was 30 to help somebody? Why didn't he do it when he was 25? Why didn't he do it when he was 19? Because he was a man at that time without the anointing of the Spirit upon him. And when the Spirit came upon him, then it was he had power, say power, and he could do signs, wonders, and miracles. How many of you are spiritually alive people? How many of you have the Holy Ghost on the inside? How many have been baptized in the Holy Ghost? Then the same thing is available to each and every one of us here. The problem is we don't think it is, and we're trying to get him to do it or other people to do it rather than understand that we can do it. And that's what our purpose is. We are supposed to be extending the kingdom. When somebody's sick, we extend healing. When somebody's down, we extend up. Somebody's sad, we extend happy. We do whatever we do. But we do it by the power of the Spirit on the inside of us. We don't have to call somebody else or call this person or, or call really anointed Joe. Everybody has the same Spirit of God and the same authority on the inside of them. So notice he went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of who? And why did he do that? Because he was a man anointed with the Holy Ghost and with power. power. All right, go to Mark chapter 5. If you want to live in total victory and power and might, you need to associate with the nature of Jesus Christ. If you don't want to ever do anything, then associate with the nature of somebody else rather than Jesus Christ. Associate with your old man. Associate with what daddy told you. Associate with what the news media is telling you. Associate with those things, and you'll live like that. And they're driving fear home all the time. And every, I'm so afraid. I'm so afraid. Yeah, well, that's who you are. And you should be afraid if you think you're so afraid because you're getting exactly what you, praise God, fear shouldn't have anyway. God says God did not give us a spirit of So I don't want it. So fear is patiently demonic to me, and I'm not going to allow it in my life no matter what happens. Well, this is going to happen. Well, so what? So what? And it's fear all over the place. You don't need fear in your life, praise God. You're a heavenly man. Amen. All right, Mark chapter 5. Look at verse 29. This is a woman with the issue of blood, and straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus immediately, knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him in about the press and said, Who touched my clothes? Now notice, if this was God, he wouldn't have had to say, Who touched my clothes? He'd have said, You touch my clothes. I mean, oh, God knows everything. So why, God, why would have to God question whose clothes he touched? I mean, oh, he might know a few things. So apparently he was operating as a man, anointed by the Spirit of God. He knew that virtue went out of him. He could feel the flow of the anointing, but he wasn't sure who got touched because he wasn't God. He was a man. Remember the madman of Gadara came up to him? And Jesus says, what's your name? And he said, Legion, for there are many in me. If he was God, he'd have just said, come here, Legion. Come on, Legion. But he didn't do that, did he? And I taught this one time, and somebody came up afterwards who wasn't very happy with my teaching. And they said, well, what about the woman at the well? The woman at the well, when he walked up to her and said that she had five husbands and he didn't know her from anybody, would he ever heard of the gifts of the Spirit? Jesus probably operated in them every now and then. Yeah. He had a gift of the Spirit. He had a word of knowledge. He would have, hey, you got five husbands. Hey, you do this. But that doesn't solidify him as God because there's too many other things in there that aren't. So he was just operating in the gifts of the Spirit that how many know that we can operate in again? Hallelujah. But, but notice. Thank you. But notice, the gift of the spirits that he operated in did not operate all the time or when he wanted it to. 
or else he'd have just waited on the word of knowledge and said, you're legion. I touched you. No. When the Spirit of God willed on the inside of him, it operated on the inside of him. Now, I say this because there was a young guy who came to me probably about a year ago. He went to some church down south, someplace, nice church, good church, no problems. You won't know who it is, thank God, and you won't know the church. But he went there, and he said it was the first time he ever went there. It was a very large church. And before he sat down going in, he got six words from six different people. Everybody he would, had a word for him. And he said, I'm so confused, I don't know which word to believe. And I said, start with none of them. And go back to the Bible and get your word out of here. See, because he said they contradicted this and that and this and that. So it's good to understand that we have gifts, but you can't conjure up. Are you following? These gifts, you can't have a word. I was in a service one time, and some guy was walking around. I don't prophesy and word of knowledge, this and that, with a microphone. And he walked by me, and he stopped, and he gave it to me and said, God told me you had a word. And I took the microphone, and I said, yeah, he did give me a word. He wanted me to tell you I don't have a word. So you can't be pushed, you can't be manipulated into spiritual things. You're either flowing in that or you're not flowing in that. And, and there's nothing wrong with when you hear it taught wanting to do it. There should be a desire for you to do it. You should want to do it. But you can't make it up and want it so bad. It, it's not a makeup thing, it's a flow thing. It just comes. When Ted does it, it just comes up. He's not, he's not trying to figure it out. He's not trying. It comes from your spirit man up into you and you give it and you just know it's from God and that's it. But you're not going to have one in every situation that you run into. Well, we've got marital problems. Just wait. No, it doesn't work that way. See, the Spirit of God on the inside. If it worked that way and was supposed to work that way, how many know Jesus would have walked in it all the time? Praise God. Because he was probably in a better communication with God than a lot of us are. Hallelujah. All right, go to James chapter 1. All right, James chapter 1, look at verse 13. Let no man or woman say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempts he any man. Let no man say, how many know I've heard a lot of people say, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, because God cannot be what? Can God be tempted? Does God start the temptation? No, according to the scripture, God cannot be tempted. And basically, if you're tempted, you're not being tempted of God. All right, go to Hebrews chapter 4. Look at verse 15. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. Now, how many know it's talking about Jesus here? So here it says that Jesus was tempted in all the same areas we were tempted. We read in James that God cannot be tempted. So if he was operating just as God, he should have never been tempted where we were tempted because God cannot be tempted. So what's it telling you here? He was a man too. He was tempted at all points of the week. Could, could Jesus have failed? He could have, couldn't he? He was a man. I'll tell you, I don't know who I was, but if they came to me and said, bow down before me or go to the cross, I think I might have took the bow. And that's what we do sometimes, isn't it? We take the easier way out, don't we? Even though it's not the right way out, don't we? 
Because we men, we have a choice to do that. Jesus had a choice. He had a choice whether to go to the cross or not. He had a choice for all these things. So he was a man, and here he was tempted, the Bible says. So once again, that made him a spiritually alive man, anointed with the Spirit of God and with the authority of God, and was tempted like us in all things. All right, go to Luke chapter 4. You're really working that Bible out today. All right, Luke chapter 4, look at verse 33. And in the synagogue there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil, and he cried out with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? We know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the devil had thrown him in the midst, he came out of him and hurt him not. Here Jesus ran into a demon. Notice where this demon was. He was in the church. The demon basically spoke to Jesus, says, what have we to do with you? What, what, you came to destroy us? We know who you are. You're God. We know who you are. The demons knew that they were only subject to people who had a physical body and who were not God. In other words, he's saying to Jesus, you can't cast me out. You're God. You have no jurisdiction here. You have no reason to be here. You can't be here. You can't do that to me because you're God. And what did Jesus say? Shut up and come out. And you know what he did? shut up and came out. See, what was he doing? He, he didn't understand what was going on. He didn't understand he was God, but he came in the flesh as a man. And he was anointed by the power of the Holy Ghost, and he had authority over the devil. So he simply cast him out. And when he said, come out, guess what he did? He came out. Okay, go to Hebrews chapter 2. He always says, oh, you're just trying to make people think they're something great. Well, they are something great, but they didn't get there by what they did. They got there by Jesus Christ provided all this stuff. You could never get to this level on your own. But no, he provided it for each and every one of us. And if he provided it, bless God, we might as well just go ahead and take advantage of it. I mean, dear Lord. I mean, glory to God. I got a present sitting over there in my chair today that Zemi brought me. And I guarantee I'm going to open it. <laughs> no, no. I'm just not going to open that present because I'm not worthy to open that present. I don't want people to think I'm really something because I'm going to open that bag. But that's the way the whole church acts. Well, I'm not going to claim that I'm anointed. I'm not going to claim that I'm righteous. I'm not gonna, what, what, how are you going to get there? Well, I've been trying for 20 years. Keep trying. Keep going. Maybe another 20 you'll have it. Give it another shot for 20 years. No, all this stuff was freely provided by the cross of Calvary. And when you enter into the kingdom of God, religion tells you to get this stuff. The kingdom tells you you got this stuff. Amen. And if you've been taught religion, you're going to spend your whole life trying to get the free things that Jesus already provided for each and every one. The only thing Jesus provided for me was heaven. That's it. I have no authority. I'm not righteous. I'm a sinner saved by grace. Ba -ba 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 -ba. But I'm going to heaven. No, heaven's just part of the package of the kingdom of God that you entered into because when you became a citizen of the kingdom of God, you got all the citizen rights that belong to you in that thing. Each and every one belong to each and every one. Healing belongs to us. Power belongs to us. Forgiveness belongs to us. Joy belongs to me. Peace belongs to me. All these things belong to me. So I'm going to take advantage of what he's given me. I'm going to unwrap the present of joy. And I'm going to smile. I may not want to smile, but I'm going to smile. Does this joy I have? The world certainly didn't give it to me. <laughs> and it's not going to take it away. 
See, I mean, you know, it's a spiritual battle, isn't it? Believing the word of God rather than other. All right, Hebrews chapter 2. Look at verse 14. For as much then as children are partakers of flesh and blood. How many of you are partakers of flesh and blood? Notice, Jesus also himself likewise took part of the same, and through death he might destroy him that had the power of death. That is the devil. And also to deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to what? Bondage. So here it tells us what he did. He came as a man, anointed by the Holy Ghost. He was the only one who could because there was no other righteous people out there, nobody spiritually alive. He had to come to do the job. And when he came to do the job, then all at once when he did that, gave us an opportunity to step back into where we were at one time. He restored us to our original position back in Genesis chapter 1. He restored. Say restored. He redeemed. Say, he redeemed. he redeemed. Now, the only reason why you have to restore something is because at one time it was stored. The only time you have to receive something, when he said receive the Holy Ghost, is because we'd already received it at one time. Oh, and you follow me? He redeemed us. Why? Because we were already deemed mankind at one time, but now we've got to be redeemed because Adam screwed up. So Reed just tells us he had to do again what he already did, because back in Genesis chapter 1, he had the whole plan all set up and everything. So basically when that failed, Jesus came, suffered and died on the cross. He said, take two. Second act. We're going to try this stuff again. We're going to see if man can't get born again, get the authority, get the power of the Holy Ghost, and not listen to the devil, find out who they are, and go ahead. That's why the devil calls you a loser all the time. That's why he tries to get you upset, offended all the time. That's why he tries to get you in unforgiveness all the time. That's why he gets you mad all the time. That's why he wants you to focus on you rather than what your purpose is. He wants to do that to keep you out of your purpose. All right, go to Matthew chapter 28. I just can't believe this stuff. This stuff's really hard. I can't believe it. Well, let me tell you, it's possible because there's men that believe they're women right now. Come on. If they can believe that, you can certainly believe what God said about you in the Bible, for God's sakes, if they're convinced of that. I mean, we ain't got any physical evidence, but they do, and they still don't believe they're right. But what's happened? He's after identity, isn't he? He's after an identity. You're not even a he or she anymore. You're an it. Heard something about birthing persons now for God's sakes what's he doing stealing identities he's after your identity he knows what happens if you get a hold of the right identity and understand who you are because you'll go around destroying the works of the devil every place you go hallelujah all right Matthew 28 look at verse 18 and Jesus came and spake unto him saying all power is given unto me in heaven and earth go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father the Son and the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always until the end of the earth. Here Jesus says, all authority was given to me in heaven and on earth. Say in heaven, heaven. On, earth. on earth. That means all authority, basically what he's talking about is there's two kinds of authority. There's legal authority that you got born, when you're born in the kingdom of God. You've got legal things that belong to you and rights that belong to you. But there's also something called ability authority. Say ability authority. Ability, ability authority is there to give you the power to back up your legal authority. So Jesus got both for us. He got us authority in the natural realm, but then he went to heaven. When he went, he sent somebody back by the name of the Holy Ghost, who is now your ability of your authority. In other words, he'll back up. 
If you say something that's lined up with the Word of God and you use authority on it, the Spirit of God is there to make sure that thing comes to pass every single time in your life. So now he says, I've got all authority and I've got it all back. And he says, I've got it for you. So you need to go. You need to go. I got it back. Teach the nations. Make disciples of all the nations. I am with you always. Yet we see the church in failure. We see the church depressed. We see the church down and out. We see church people as losers. This should not be, praise God, according to the Word of God. And how many know we have the authority? I mean, we can use the authority, but it don't mean you're going to use the authority because some people don't even know they have the authority. So since we fail to use what he gave us, then we want to blame him for what's going on in the world when he gave us jurisdiction over that part to begin with. So God gets the blame every single time. Well, do something, God. Do something for me. God says, I did. I gave you the authority. Help me. The devil's chasing me. Cast him out. See, these are, these are responsibilities that belong to us because we're the ones who are colonizing the earth and we're doing it from heaven and he sent us here to do it. God doesn't want to come here. He wants us to be here and do what we're supposed to do, praise God. He took us from heaven to bring us down to earth to make us just like heaven. Amen. Glory to God. You're a heavenly being whether you know it or not. Yeah. Praise God. Everybody looking for aliens. <laughs> yeah, Is there life on other planets? Well, there's life here. It came from another planet, so praise God. If that's what you're looking for, that's what it is. Glory to God. Hallelujah. All right. Praise God. And I'll tell you this right now. I've tried it, but God will not use my authority for me. He's never spoke to one of my mountains in my life that was there. It's not that he's uncaring. It's not that he's uninterested about my messes. Basically, he just needs me to learn how to rule and to reign. But most of us are getting born again and acting just like Adam and Eve devil comes along says you can't you won't you are you are and we go ahead and believe it and we've got to come out of that all right go to revelations chapter one All right, Revelations chapter 1, look at verse 5. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Now, the first time I made that, when I read Scripture, I read Scripture, then I stop. And sometimes I argue with God over it or I try to get a revelation or whatever. But the first time I read this, I said, And he, unto him that loved me and washed us from my sins in his own blood. Well, if he loves me so much, why don't he do something? Why don't he do something about the mess I'm in? Well, see, he knows how I am financially. Why don't he do something? If he really loved me, why would he do something for me and all the problems that I got in my life? Why don't he do something? If he really loved me, he should be doing something for me. And God said, read the next verse. And has made us kings and priests unto God and his Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever and amen. So notice, he has given us something to use in our lives, given us authority over situations and circumstances. It's not that you're going to be circumstance and situation free, not going to happen. Things are going to come though and we know how to do it. We don't lose our peace. We don't worry about the thing. We don't talk about the thing. We don't fear about the thing. Don't talk about negative things. Talk about positive. Don't talk about sickness. Talk about what he said about healing. Don't talk about worry. Talk about what he said about peace. Keep your mind and your mouth locked on that. What am I doing? I'm fighting a spiritual battle. I have authority over that thing. I'm going to rule over that thing. As soon as I agree with that thing, I use my authority to get that thing. The authority works in both ways. 
It works in the positive way on the word of God, and it works in the negative way also. Well, I'm just, we just never going to have any money. Our whole family never had money. Mom and dad never had money. Grandma and grandpa never had any money. And I'm sure we're not going to have any money. And I'll say, I'm sure you're not going to have any money. Here, let me agree with you. We can get more people in on this. Maybe you lose your house yet if we all agree. Come on. See, we don't understand how much power and authority he's actually given us. So we think we can do whatever we want. But the devil's listening. There's one over there that thinks he's sick. Go get him, boys. But we don't have to do that. See, we're heavenly. We're heavenly creatures. We're heavenly beings. We walk above the earth realm. We walk above the troubles and trials here on the earth. Praise God. If we need to walk on the water, we'll do it. If we don't, don't try. For things and situations. Hallelujah. Say, God has made me a king on the earth with all authority. All right, go to Luke chapter 9. Doing good. We're going to beat the Methodists this morning, I think. All right, Luke chapter 9. Once again, this is Jesus' disciples now. And remember, his disciples were with him. They basically got what Jesus had by impartation. They were not born again. They were not spirit-filled. They were not any of these things. Luke chapter 9, look at verse 1. Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure disease. And he sent them to preach the, to preach the, to preach faith, to preach deliverance, to preach sin, no, to preach the kingdom of God. Why? Because the kingdom of God is all-inclusive and to heal the sick. So he gave his disciples power and authority. How many of you know you have power and authority? Yes. Notice he didn't give you power and authority so you could tell everybody that you have it. He didn't give you power and authority to keep your wife in check. He gave you power and authority basically over all devils, all the enemy in your life, and over all devils. Say all devils. All devils. So notice he's given us power. He's given us authority. There's no excuse for, for tolerating the devil. There's no excuse for saying the devil made me do it. He didn't make you do it. You just agreed with him and you did it together. He can't make you do anything. He doesn't have the authority to do that anymore. It's been stripped from him. So how many of you believe if Jesus gave his 12 disciples authority, he actually expected them to use the authority which he gave them? Amen. It's the same way with us. He gave us authority. He gave us power. I'm sure he expects us to do something with it other than just claim we've got it and put it on a bumper sticker. I have authority and power. See, no, he wants us to use the things he gave us because they belong to us. They're part of us. All right, go to Luke chapter 10. All right, Luke chapter 10, look at verse 17. And the seventy returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject to us through thy name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Here he says, Behold, look, pay attention. I've given you authority and power. What for? To tread on serpents, scorpions, devils, problems, all these things, and over all the power of the enemy. Now notice, Jesus gave us his stuff because he knew we were going to have an enemy. 
He knew we were going to run into stuff. If not, if we weren't going to run into any kind of demonic stuff, then he wouldn't have to give us power and authority because we wouldn't have any problems. But there are problems. And they come from that nature that Adam passed on to everybody, and they come from the devil. So basically, he gave them power and authority so that they could use it over all devils. The church in this day and age many times disclaims devils, ignores devils, doesn't even believe devils exist or demonic influence exists anymore. But it does, praise God, and we've got power over it. God is not in control of everything that happens. We are in a place where we are in control and can join with him forces, co-labor with him against that, and win every single time. Jesus said, behold, look, I give you authority. Why? Because there's a devil on the loose. And I mean, you don't even have to look in the people who aren't born again to find out the devil's on the loose. You can look in the so-called Christianity. I mean, what are marriages? Marriages, over 50% marriages now are operating in divorce, and over 50% of Christian marriages. Not any better in the world. We get born again, we're going to heaven, we don't care, praise God. You got the church, and I heard a report again yesterday that 81% of people born again, supposedly, in the church calling themselves Christians, tithe. Don't tithe. 81% don't. 19% tithe. 19% have enough gumption to give God what he asked for so they could learn how to give and open the windows of heaven so he can pour out a blessing upon them. And they're probably the ones trying to get money. See? It's not to get your money, praise God. It's to get you to start to be a giver. Start to understand that giving is a grace of God and start to get you into a position where you're hooked up with God and you're obedient to what he tells you to do. But, but the church wants to be this place over here that doesn't have any effect, doesn't do anything, doesn't really reach out. They go to church every Sunday. They wear any shirt but a flowered shirt. Yep. No, they don't do that. Praise God. And that's it. They just go to church and back and church and back. And, and churches, we got the greatest children's ministry and we got the greatest band and we got, well, go ahead there. But if you're not getting the right word, you're just going to leave there with a happy song. And the devil's going to come along and suck that thing right out of you about Monday morning. You ain't going to have no more happy songs for the rest of the week. No, we want to walk in victory every single day of our lives. And we can do that, praise God. We're talking about a life thing here. We're talking about, I mean, there's devils sitting on your money right now in different areas of your life that you need to get him off on, praise God. There's things in your life that you need to change. Just continue to believe God and pray. Pray for your kids. Train them up in the way that they should go. And they're older now and they ain't going to depart from that no matter what, praise God. They're going to follow the ways that we raised them up in. These are things that we stand on, we continue to do. We're heavenly men. We don't judge by earthy things going on or things that aren't working out. Because we have authority. Hallelujah. Say, I'm a heavenly man. Master of Satan. Master of demons. A ruler of sickness and disease. I'm full of life and the nature of God. I'm a person who never fails. I was created to manifest the glory of God. I am more than a conqueror in this earth realm. Notice what he says, behold, look, pay attention. Why? Because we have something that we're going to need in our daily life to do it. And the more you line up your daily life with the Word of God in your thoughts and in your mouth and in your actions, the more less troubles that you seem to have. But you do have more troubles because you're dealing with a lot more other people then. Can you say amen, Luann? Yeah, because before you're just dealing with yourself, trying to get yourself lined up. Then you start lining up with God, and then once people want to get lined up with God or want help, even though they might not want lined up with God, and basically you get a lot busier dealing with other people, and you really forget about yourself because you ain't got time much to deal with you, so you're dealing with them. And that's what God wants. He wants to make us disciples. Say disciples. 
Disciples are people, basically, and if you really study baptism, that's what baptism is. When you get baptized, you're declaring yourself to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, and you're going to seek his ways and thoughts and actions and become just like him. People just think they get dunked, and that's the end, and everything's fine and dandy. It's more than that. You made a commitment at that time. See, back in the old days, they had rabbis who, what did they do? They baptized people. They were going to follow that rabbi. And how many know how how old you had to be to become a rabbi? Think of Jesus. 30. 30 years old. Then you became a rabbi, and then you got disciples. What did you do? Those that wanted to be your disciples, you dunked them, and they followed your way. And the other one was over here, and the other one was over here. And how many know there was different? Everywhere. But they were committed to that. So now Jesus comes along, and that's why he got baptized by John the Baptist, because he had to come under someone who was preaching something that he was going to preach. You know what John the Baptist was preaching? Kingdom of God. So Jesus gets baptized, says, I'm going to follow your way and teach your way. Well, he probably knew more about it than John to begin with, even before he got baptized. But he did that because he did things legally. So he got baptized, and he started all once. Here came disciples, and everyone that got baptized was supposed to follow his ways. It's more than, hallelujah, I'm going to heaven. I'm saved. Thank you, Jesus. No, it's a commitment for you to get in this word, find out how to his ways, his thoughts, his actions, become more like him every single day and do the things that he's doing. That's what discipleship is. And Jesus only had how many real disciples? Twelve. Twelve that followed him all the time or with him all the time. And how many you know after he left, they did what he did? Why? Because they were disciples, praise God. So we want to be disciples. We don't want to be churchgoers. We don't want to be religious people. We want to be denominational or coming. We don't want to be TCVCites. Everybody's a knight of something else. No, we want to be disciples and not of TCVC, of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Word of God. Hallelujah. All right, let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for revelation, Father, by the power of your Holy Ghost and your Spirit. I thank you for opening our eyes and our hearts to understand everything that you provided for us on the cross of Calvary. Thank you for the new creation. Thank you. The old things have passed away. Thank you for filling me with your spirit, giving me the power, giving me revelation in every single area of my life. I thank you as we seek you more and more, we find out who you are, your ways, and your thoughts. I thank you for revealing more and more your purpose to us on a daily basis, and we give you all the praise and glory for all that you're doing in each and every life here. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Okay. the key.